You are listening to the Campus Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. Each Wednesday at 5 p.m. on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, I welcome a new guest from Queen's University to discuss news, issues, upcoming events, initiatives, and services for the benefit of Queen's students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast, and we hope you enjoy the episode. And before getting into a fun conversation with our special guest today, let's listen to Peach Kelly Pop and a song called Honey. Stay tuned. studio uh, talking uh, via long distance with Mr. Don Couture, a law student, class of 19, uh, who recently won the James L. Thistle QC Law Student Essay Competition. Welcome to CFRC and Campus Beat, Don. How are you today? I'm very well, thanks. Thanks for having me. We really do appreciate your time. Where are you? Uh, I'm in British Columbia right now, actually, uh, in Victoria for um, a summer job with a law firm. How wonderful. Look at you staying connected to campus, even from across the country. <laughs> so tell us a, b- a little bit about the essay competition that you uh, you entered with your paper. What was the process like there? Uh, yeah, so th- this was um, an essay competition uh, through the Canadian Bar Association, um, and they put out a competition for um, essays in a series of categories, uh, one of which was alternative dispute resolution. Um, and I had recently taken a class in alternative dispute resolution uh, where I wrote this paper, uh, and it was suggested to me by my uh, professor that um, uh, that I submit it for the competition. He felt like it was a strong paper and like I would have good 
chance of success. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was sort of the, the nature of the competition and uh, why I decided to submit it. Okay. And what were your interests uh, in writing the paper in the first place? Uh, yeah, I, I think for me, um, in my alternative dispute resolution class, um, a, a lot of the common themes that would come up uh, over and over again dealt with uh, mainstream approaches to alternative dispute resolution. Um, and my own background uh, is an interest in uh, Aboriginal law and Indigenous law. And for me, I sort of saw an opportunity to um, bring a new perspective to that um, to that conversation uh, in the sense that um, mainstream ADR uh, approaches are not always um, uh, appropriate or well-suited to a context um, uh, of conflict between uh, First Nations and the Crown um, or private industry. Uh, so for me, it was really uh, a mixture of uh, bringing my own background and interests uh, to bear on a conversation that uh, I felt like um, was often one-sided in the way that it was presented. Uh, now, tell us about the essay itself. What were the arguments that you made therein, and uh, how did you conduct the research? Yeah, so uh, I, I think as a starting point, uh, something that I acknowledge, as I've already alluded to a little bit, is that um, conflict between First Nations, uh, government and private industry, with respect to land and resource disputes, um, uh, resource development projects, is sort of the the principal site uh, of conflict um, between those groups. And, uh, you know, litigation is a common feature um, in that context, and it comes up time and time again. And so um, my, my thinking was that uh, within that particular context, it's not always appropriate to use these mainstream approaches to alternative dispute resolution. Uh, so really one of the main things that I wanted to uh, hone in on in my essay was that um, in thinking about how we navigate these kinds of conflicts, we should really be uh, emphasizing or foregrounding um, Indigenous worldviews, uh, Indigenous laws and practices and customs uh, with respect to alternative dispute resolution because, uh, you know, Indigenous nations have been uh, resolving their disputes in their own ways for uh, thousands of years, mm-hmm. and uh, I felt as though it was um, uh, just an opportunity to highlight that uh, it should be these mechanisms for dispute resolution should be on the terms of the communities who are most uh, most affected because um, there's a significant um, power imbalance there when, um, you know, industry or or the Crown comes in and uh, they've got, you know, their their mediator selected from, like, Toronto, let's say, who's going to come in but really has no experience with the particular uh, local context of the community involved. So it was, uh, that was sort of the main argument, but um, in going about that, uh, argument. I also sort of highlighted what what some of the, the fault lines are that um, that divide sort of the, the Western perspective of dispute resolution uh, in relation to um, an Indigenous perspective of dispute resolution, and uh, just coming to terms with where these disagreements are, uh, where they come from, and why uh, a community-based perspective is a more uh, appropriate response to that. Uh, so that was sort of the, the paper. Uh, in a nutshell. And I think that in terms of the, the process of, of writing it and uh, doing the research, um, you know, when you're sort of juggling a bunch of different law courses in the year, you don't necessarily have time to go out and do first-hand research yourself. So that wasn't necessarily part of this essay, but it, but it was, um, you know, scanning the literature to see what's out there and seeing where maybe there's a gap or there, there are ideas that 
seem like they're fruitful for further uh, exploration. Um, so uh, in my research, I sort of came across that as a possible area that could really be advanced or talked about um, in greater detail, and that was kind of the, the impetus for the idea in the first place. And then, um, yeah, I went with that, and, and that's it. So you mentioned um, alternative uh, resolutions or uh, alternative dispute resolutions. So tell us a little bit about that course and maybe some of the other courses that you've been taking in the lead up to uh, your essay and your summer in Victoria. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, alternative dispute resolution um, is fairly um, common course to take in law school um, because most litigation these days, uh, rather than actually ending up in the courts, uh, is settled outside of the courtroom. And so when uh, law students become lawyers and they become litigators, they actually spend a lot of their time um, settling in conferences. And so alternative dispute resolution is all about that process and how to actually uh, avoid going to court. Um, so, you know, it was it, uh, a negotiation course and alternative dispute resolution within that category is actually a mandatory requirement for Queen's Law students. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was something that uh, that I was taking. Um, additionally, uh, I'm in a joint uh, program with a law degree and a master's of uh, public administration. Oh. I'm taking uh, a mixture of uh, first-year law courses, so criminal law, property law, constitutional, all those sort of basic introductory courses, uh, combined with some public policy-based courses like um, you know, economic analysis, quantitative analysis, public policy, things like that. So uh, that's kind of my, my academic uh, background for the past two years at Queen's. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would say that um, I did my undergrad at the University of Victoria uh, studying political science, and uh, the political science department is really strong in the area of uh, Aboriginal politics. And so I would sort of credit my, my interest in these kinds of areas uh, to some of the courses that I took uh, at UVic with some really exceptional professors. And, um, so for me, it's really like a, a combination of my various academic experiences and courses and backgrounds that kind of led me to um, first this ADR course that I took and ultimately the paper that I wrote and the ideas that I discussed. And so what's coming up in the fall in terms of your coursework? Yeah, I've got a pretty uh, heavy course load. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it never ends. Um, yeah, in, in the fall, I'll be taking uh, evidence law, uh, administrative law, uh, tax law, advanced legal research and writing. Um, yeah, th- those are sort of the, the main ones. And I'm also um, on the editorial board of the Queen's Law Journal. So uh, we sort of review... Um, articles that are submitted and, and recommend them for external review for publication in the law journal. Uh, mm. So that's something that I'll also be doing uh, as well. Wonderful. And so what do you think, uh, what, what's going to happen for you uh, after law school and uh, the completion of your dual program uh, through uh, the MPA program too? What are you, what are you hoping yeah. to do? Uh, for sure. So I, I have sort of um, two goals in mind that I'm working towards. Uh, the first is hopefully to... Um, uh, do a clerkship. So mm-hmm. a clerkship is when uh, you work for uh, a judge at a particular court for about a year or so, essentially as a, a personal um, legal research and writing assistant. Uh, so I'm hoping if I can uh, to do a clerkship, that's a, a temporary thing for about a year. Uh, and then after that, I'd really like to um, 
actually work in the area of Aboriginal law. So there's several uh, law firms out there uh, who do that. And so, you know, it's sort of my my view that it's a good opportunity or time to move from the ideas that I write about to more practical application of those ideas. So uh, if I can, I'd like to, uh, to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I'm one thing that I didn't mention is that I'm from uh, Yellowknife Northwest Territories. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's a great opportunity in the north for practitioners to get involved with Aboriginal law. There's a great need. So that's something that I've got um, uh, my sights set on as well. So, and your summer opportunities right now, what are you doing in Victoria and how would it help facilitate uh, your transition into career down the road? Yeah. Uh, So actually, uh, I'm currently spending my summer at an Aboriginal law firm uh, as well uh, in Victoria. And yeah, it's sort of my first foray into a formal uh, law firm setting. And so, um, you know, at the moment, I'm assisting with um, Aboriginal title claims or um, Aboriginal rights claims, things like that. Um, So actually, it's uh, perfectly in line with uh, my career goals. Um, And it's been a really valuable uh, learning experience, and I've I've gained a lot from it. Mm -hmm. That's one thing, I guess, about law programs, spending a lot of time reading and studying all of that case law and understanding different aspects of law uh, from different angles. But uh, within the law programs themselves, you you have a number of opportunities during the summer months to actually do, um, uh, what are they called? Are they internships? What are they called when you go off and and work for a law firm? Yeah, I guess you could just call it like a summer placement Yeah. before you do uh, your articles, which is what happens after you graduate. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it's they're absolutely uh, critical opportunities to kind of get that practical experience and uh, to learn the law outside of a textbook. Indeed, and again, a serious practical application of law, and you're doing it in practice. What a great learning opportunity! So, how did you how did you land your spot with the law firm that you're with? Did you yeah. go through an application process, or were you placed by the university? How does that work? Um, so it's, it varies in terms of how law students get these summer jobs. In my particular case, um, the position was just advertised online through the law firm's website. Mm-hmm. The law firm that um, I had sort of been following for a while and had an interest in maybe working uh, with. So, you know, I sort of kept my eye on the deadline. Um, and then I just applied, and I, you know, reflected on the experiences that I could bring to the table um, to sort of make the best case for myself in the interview. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was that. Um, other other summer jobs, there's more formal recruitment processes, um, like what's called uh, OCIs, where firms will come around um, to campus and interview students and things like that. Um, some firms participate in those formal processes, others don't. Uh, this one does not, so it was more... Um, independent research, sort of, yeah, looking for what I was most interested in and seeking it out. So what uh, what advice do you have, perhaps, for students who may be thinking about uh, law school after they finish uh, their undergrads or or even graduate degrees? Um, yeah, I would, I would try to think about um, what it is that you're interested in doing on a, on a day-to-day basis, you know, if you're interested in... Um, research and writing uh, and helping clients. Um, There's a whole range and variety of types of law uh, that one can practice. Um, You can spend a lot of your time in front of a computer. You can spend most of your time uh, in a courtroom. 
So I think generally if you have an interest in um, advocacy and writing and uh, and being persuasive, um, and if you have a, a high tolerance for uh, a work also, <laughs> then um, law is potentially a, a good option. But it's a very exciting career. And one thing I didn't uh, appreciate when I first went into law school is just how varied and diverse uh, the possible career paths can be mm-hmm. you're in law school. So, um, yeah, you can sort of bring your own uh, experiences uh, and interests in the world to bear on your legal career and uh, make it something that uh, you want it to be. And so that's really um, exciting. It's, it's a vehicle for kind of crafting a career potentially that you're really interested in and it can go in any number of ways. Um, so that's what I would tell people who are considering law school. All right. Uh, maybe as one final question, what has been an uh, absolute highlight for you in terms of uh, something that you learned uh, that you didn't know before that you just like, wow, that was really cool, or this is the best thing ever? What's been a highlight for you so far in your journey? Yeah, so I think sort of a, uh, a necessary that all law students go through uh, when they come into law school is uh, the first year moot. And so uh, a moot is sort of like a mock trial when um, you go in front of a panel of judges and you sort of uh, make an oral argument or an oral submission to the court on whatever the case is. And for some, that can be a very uh, nerve-wracking experience. It was for me as well, but it was also incredibly exciting to realize that you can sort of stand up in front of a group of people and make a pitch, make an oral argument about um, whatever your client's interests are. And so for me, that was, um, it it felt very powerful to become an advocate uh, on behalf of someone, even though it was only in um, uh, a mock setting. Mm -hmm. You know, it it sort of opened my eyes to the fact that this is what a career in law could be like, right? And it's, uh, yeah, it's a very uh, exciting experience. It's not for everyone, that particular side of law, but for me that was a really uh, eye-opening experience and something that I latched onto and greatly enjoyed. So advocating for those clients, but also learning how to do so within the um, limitations, if you will, of the law itself. So learning the law while also learning how to advocate for clients within the law. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. On, on the one hand first understanding and appreciating your client's perspective and their interests and their side of the story, but then translating that in language cognizable to the court and making a persuasive legal argument. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're kind of a a conduit between the court and what they're going to make their judgment on and your client's interests. And that's, you know, why law is a specific skill set that you really need to go to law school to learn because it's it's not that easy at first. It becomes easier over time, but it takes practice and it's a craft. So, yeah, very exciting. Um, so do you recall what the um, what the moot argument that you had made was about, and did you win? <laughs> or can you tell us? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can tell you if I can recall correctly. I believe uh, it was a... Um, it was a property dispute. This was this was hypothetical, so it wasn't a real case. But it was a property dispute in um, an agricultural area of Ontario, and uh, there were some particularly uh, grumpy neighbors who were fed up with uh, a horse racing track that their other neighbor had uh, sort of built and was using at all hours of the night. So it was really kind of a, a nuisance case. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I was on. Um, I was on the perspective of uh, 
or my client, I guess, in this case, was uh, the grumpy neighbors who wanted to put an end to the nuisance, and uh, uh, I was successful. <laughs> <laughs> yes, congratulations to you. All right. Um, well, thank you very much, Mr. Don Couture, for uh, giving us uh, a bit of your time uh, today here on CFRC and Campus Beat. And congratulations on winning the James L. Thistle QC Law Student Essay Competition uh, for your best Indigenous law essay. That's uh, quite the honor. Wonderful for you. And uh, we wish you all the best of luck uh, with the remainder of your uh, time in Victoria and look forward to hearing from you when you return to campus in the fall. Great. Thanks so much for having me. And thanks so much for giving us your time. All right. Take care. Okay. Take care. Thanks for tuning into our discussion with Don Couture uh, from the Faculty of Law as well as the uh, Master in Public Administration program. Before we close out the program today, we're going to listen to a song called Cry uh, by Chart Hopping, Yukon Blonde, 22nd via Dine Alone Records. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.